In the second session, we are looking at the quarantine and the church. The quarantine and the church. We will look at in this session primarily about uh, how did the church respond to situations like this? Did they have similar situations in the past? How did they respond? And how should we respond in our churches today? And also, finally, we will end uh, in our study together with a thought on what changes do you think would happen in the church even after this period is over. So first of all, as an introduction, the early church was no stranger to plagues or epidemics or mass hysteria. In fact, according to both Christian and also non-Christian accounts, one of the main catalysts for the church's explosive growth in its early years was how Christians navigated disease, suffering, and death. The church's posture made such a strong impression on Roman society that even pagan Roman emperors complained to pagan priests about their declining numbers, telling them to step up their game. So what did Christians do differently that shook the Roman Empire. And what can we learn from this even during this time? What is the non-Christian response to epidemic? What was the non-Christian response to epidemic? In AD 249 to 262, 249 to 262, right in the very beginning, okay? Western civilization was devastated by one of the deadliest pandemics in its history. The city of Rome was said to have lost an estimated 5,000 people a day at the height of the outbreak. Now, you may say, hey, numbers comparison to today's statistics, you know, that is very little. But think also in that time, how much people, how many, what is the population of the earth? So, even at that time, there were pandemics like this. This is nothing new that has suddenly come upon the face of the earth. You know? And just in one day, 5,000 people a day were dying. In this scenario, how did the early church respond? One eyewitness by the name of Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria wrote that although the plague did not discriminate between Christians and non-Christians, its full impact fell on non-Christians. Having noted the difference between Christian and non-Christian responses to the plague, he says of the non-Christians in Alexandria, this is how they responded, at the first onset of the disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled from their dearest throwing them into the roads before they were dead and treating unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread and contagion of the fatal disease. But do what they might, they found it difficult to escape. Non-Christian accounts also, if you notice, confirm this sentiment. A century later, the Emperor Julian, in AD 362, wrote a letter where he complained that the Hellenists needed to match the Christians in virtue 
blaming the recent growth of Christianity on their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the pretended holiness of their lives. Elsewhere he wrote, For it is a disgrace that the impious Galileans, that the Christians, support not only their own poor, but ours as well. So, if the non-Christian response to the plague was characterized by self-protection and self-preservation and avoiding the sick at all costs, the Christian response was exactly the opposite. According to Dionysius, the plague served as a schooling and a testing for the Christians. In a detailed description of how Christians responded to the plague, he writes of how the best among them honorably served the sick until they themselves caught the disease and died. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Now, this was the response of the Christians. And the impact of this service that they did was twofold. First of all, Christians' sacrifice for their fellow believers stunned the unbelieving world as they witnessed communal love like they have never seen before. And secondly, Christian sacrifice for non-Christians resulted in the early church experiencing exponential growth as non-Christian survivors who benefited from the care of their Christian neighbors converted to the faith en masse. I want us to stop for a moment at this time and think about this scenario that was there in the early church and how they responded to the pandemic and how has the present church responded to this pandemic? Is the non-Christian world being able to see any difference? Is the non-Christian world being able to see the Christian sacrifice for fellow believers so that they recognize, say, see how they care for one another, how they love one another, how they meet one another's needs? And also, is the non-Christian world able to see how we have been able to reach out and care for neighbors irrespective of their faith? And as a result, if the early church saw an exponential growth, you know, who are converted to their faith en masse, let's ask ourselves, has this pandemic also resulted in an exponential growth of Christians? or? Has there been more of dropouts? If the church has been what the church has called to be, then we will find that there will definitely be a change over. So God calls the church for times just like this, like the one that we are living. Remember in Acts, we read about how God worked powerfully through the followers of Christ who were being persecuted by Romans and government officials. And these believers often had to stay in their homes, very small, secret meetings in order to worship together. They felt a sense of fear and anxiety 
unsettling times. What will happen? What will the Roman rulers do? Would they be next? That was the feeling that was there in the hearts of those people. Now, of course, you know, the pandemic that we experience and we are experiencing is not the same as the religious persecution in the book of Acts. But we can still learn some important principles of how the early church responded to adverse circumstances. And as a result of that, how there was an exponential growth in their lives. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we find this passage where it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what happened? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, oftentimes we look at this passage and just think about, hey, this was the second step after they believed this was discipleship. But remember, the scenario over here is the church was facing persecution. The disciples were being pulled up and thrown into prison. And this is the time that these guys have responded to the gospel. So they were definitely pressing times. It was not a time of ease. It was not a time in which everything was perfect. It was tough times for them. Now, although today we are prevented from physically being together in a, in a church service, there are several ways in which we today can also follow and observe and imitate how the early church responded to this tight situation in which there was the Roman persecution, in which when they had to stand up for their faith, you know, they had to pay the price, in which there were needs you know, that were there because if you know, the Roman rule took over someone else's property or you know, there was poverty among the fellow believers, new believers, new converts, they had to care for one another because this was a living, vibrant fellowship. So let's learn some important lessons from their lives this afternoon to make sure that we would indeed be the church during these times. And if we are what the early church were during that early period, then we too, as the Lord added daily, we too, as in the early church during the Roman times, there was an exponential growth in our own situation as well. There would be growth in our churches. So number one, the believers dedicated themselves to teaching and to fellowship to teaching and to fellowship. Thanks to the marvels of modern technology, we can meet like this. Thanks to Zoom, that we can meet like this. Thanks to live Facebook, that we can meet like this. Now, this has become possible because in these times, we are still able to connect together. And this will come into our lives only when we are able to make use of it. See, there's technology available today. But as a church, if we are not making use of it to build ourselves up, it is going to be useless. 
Now, there's so much material available online today. There's so much of teaching. There's so much of fellowship. There's so much of uh, 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 materials that are there that we can connect with. But if we have to be the church for times like this, we must be intentional about connecting with these things. We must be intentional about connecting with other believers on the phone, online, WhatsApp, emails. You know. We must be connected to reading God's word daily. There are plenty of materials that are there. But if we have to be the church for this time, we must make an intentional decision to make sure that we are going to dedicate ourselves to teaching and to fellowship. Now, I remember when the pandemic first started, they said, if you, know, you do a certain activity for so many days, it becomes a habit and people who are doing different, different things just to make it into a habit of their lives. Have you picked up some godly habits during this period? picked up habits of prayer, habits of Bible reading, Bible memorization, studying God's word, you know, intentionally making sure that the Zoom sessions that are there, you have made it a point to make sure you're part of the fellowship to interact together. Very, very important. The believers in the early church dedicated themselves to teaching and to fellowship. The second thing that they did was they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. As much as we have technology, we can also spend a lot of technology just scrolling. We can spend a lot of time scrolling through all the posts that are there or scrolling to, you know, or changing channels on seeing what is the current scenario. Now, you can look at all that and get worried over it. You can get look at all that and be fearful about the situation. We can look at all that and think about what is going to happen to you next. But what did the believers at that time do? They spent time in prayer. They set aside time to pray. And that is something, again, that during this time, the church, I hope and pray that the churches today have picked this up to spend time in prayer for people who have been affected by this pandemic, to spend time in prayer for the doctors and the nurses who are working around the clock to treat patients, for the individuals who are working on researching this virus, praying for individuals who have actually suffered from this, you know, praying for those individuals maybe who have lost their loved ones because of this, you know, or praying for those individuals who have lost their jobs because of this. There are so many items to pray for. And when you're thinking about prayer, not just for the local church, but to connect yourself with prayer globally. Again, with the use of technology, there have been a lot of prayer sessions that have been done nationally as well as internationally to recognize we are part of the body of Christ. The church is not an institution. The church is not something that is only in Mumbai. The church is something that is global. And during this time of the pandemic especially, I believe that the church has woken up in a way to recognize this and prayer online connects people from different parts of the globe. Studying God's word together, different parts of the globe, they can be connected together. 
That is something that the early church did. And you and I today also must set apart time intentionally for that. Number three, the believers were in awe. They were in awe. They didn't know what the future was going to be like, you know. Many of us today may be worried. We may be wondering what will happen tomorrow or next week or even in the months ahead. People may be worried about their jobs or people may be worried about you know, schools and colleges and studies, you know, what's going to happen to them, whether they'll get new jobs once they graduate. But as the book of Acts teaches us, the early church was amazed of how God was moving in these times. Now, when they were in awe, it doesn't mean that they were fearful. That's what the world does, okay? But when they were in awe, they were looking at how God was moving even in these times. That doesn't mean they ignored the reality that they lived in, but their eyes were set on what God was doing in and around them. And as a result, this enabled them to walk with a sense of expectancy rather than fear. During this time of the pandemic, let me ask you, have you been able to see the hand of God at work? And would you be in awe to say, Lord, you took care. Lord, even in this situation, this is how you work. Even in this situation, you have done this for me. You have taught this for me. Even in this situation, you enabled my life to be a blessing to somebody else. The believers were in awe. They were a group who was able to see God at work. Now, that's what the church is called to be. Fourthly, the believers had all things in common and took care of each other's needs. They had all things in common and took care of each other's needs. Remember, this does not mean that they had a common kitty where they put all the finances together and it was one big family. No. Basically, it means when there were people who had a need, then they reached out and helped them in their time of need. And even today, during this time, there are people definitely who are hurting financially. Some people even can't leave their homes for basic necessities, the elderly who have serious health conditions. But as a church, when the church comes forward to take care of each other's needs, whether through the donations that are given or through the you know, physical help that could be given to somebody who is in need, the church is able to recognize even this time. I'm sure there'll be a lot of, lot of testimonies of individuals who would be able to give testimony to this fact that see how my church members looked after me, took care of me. I was not able to do this, but they did it for me. That gives them a sense of bonding together. So in times like this, you know, during the times when there is pressure around, this is the time that the church is called to stick together. This is not the time for division. This is not the time for complaint. But this is the time for taking care of one another's needs, remembering what God has given to us is not for our holding. What God has given to us is so that we would use it wisely as good stewards in his kingdom. Number five, the believers were thankful and praised God. They were thankful and praised God. Now remember, it can be difficult to maintain a positive attitude when you're going through hardships. 
Now, I wonder if during the past, this quarantine time, this pandemic time, how much time have you thanked God and how much times have you had a question about God, okay? We must remember all that we have to be thankful to God for. Take time each day to thank God for the blessings in your life. Remember, praise is what will take away the fears and remind us that if God has been faithful in the past, he will also be faithful in the future. Now, living in this scenario, you may have a lot of fears, but when we begin to thank God and say, how you have, Lord, helped me so far, how you have uh, blessed me so far, how you have provided me for uh, so many needs so far, when we can look at what God has done, instead of looking at the negative part of it, then there would be growth. And that's what the believers did in the early church. Number six, the believers led others to Christ. The believers led others to Christ. Now, even in this time, if you notice, God calls the church for times like this, okay? Jesus said we are to shine our light before others so that they may come to know him. Let your light so shine before the others so that they will see the good deeds that you are doing. So during this time is a great opportunity to share the good news with others. It would be in the physical needs that they have and you're enabling, enabling them to help them through. But also even during this time when the uh, people around are living in a fearful state, are living in a hopeless state, you and I, you have the key to these questions that the world is asking, we have to definitely share Christ with them so that they too can come to know the Lord. As somebody has said, you can't really quarantine the gospel, isn't it? You can't really shut the gospel down. And that's the testimony that Paul gave. Even though when he was put in prison, he was shackled in, in, in chains, still he never kept his mouth shut. Instead of you know, uh, uh, complaining to God and say, Lord, after all that I've done for you at the end of my life, look what is happening to me. I'm chained between two gods. Now, that's not his attitude. Paul capitalized on this opportunity and used that opportunity to speak to his gods, used that opportunity to share Christ with every individual who came over to see him. So in the two years that he spent over there, he taught the gospel, preached the gospel, so that you know, he could say even people from the Roman household have come to know Christ. So we must be constantly reminding ourselves today that we may be behind closed doors. Now, of course, things are opening up some. You may be able to go out, but still, we do have the power of technology today. Maybe even last year, people would not have thought so much about Zoom calls and Zoom meetings. But see how far technology has been used you know, for so many things. Now, as believers, as the church, we must harness the power of technology, use all these things for fellowship, for study of the word, as well as for evangelism. Now, why should we share the gospel during this time? Why should you share the gospel 
during this time. As I mentioned to you earlier, now remember the gospel cannot be quarantined. People can be quarantined. People can be put behind closed doors and say, you don't come out. But the gospel cannot be put behind closed doors. Why? It can never be tied down because the word of God is living and powerful and active. As much as Paul would have hated to be in chains, he was not discouraged because he knew that God's amazing message of Jesus living, dying, rising again was not tied down. Jesus rose again from the dead. And as a result, he says, how can I keep it to myself? So Paul wrote in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, even though I am being chained like a criminal, God's word is not chained. Now that should be our attitude. We may feel, hey, and I cannot do so many things that I used to do before. But consider what you can do during this time. Consider how you can use technology to share the gospel. Consider how you can use technology to advance the gospel, to you know, study together, to talk together, to pray together. Look for different, different opportunities that you can definitely use. As somebody has said, bloom where you are quarantined. Have you bloomed during these days? Okay. Also, the gospel cannot be quarantined. Are you making use of every opportunity that has been given to you? Remember, God's word, which created the world, cannot be shut down by an epidemic. It cannot be shut down in prison. It cannot be locked in chains or tied down to the housebound world. It is the word of life the seed of the kingdom, the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. It is powerful. The gospel is powerful. And the spread of this disease has convinced the world to consider the imminence of death and the purpose of their lives, isn't it? With so many people dying, people have begun to think about, hey, what is going to happen to me after I die? Believers, unbelievers. Believers, okay, you can share with them what's going to happen to them after they die. But unbelievers, they do not know what's going to happen. They will say this all the end. As a result, they are living in so much of a fear. The gospel provides the only satisfying answer to all the questions that they are having about their life here and also the life to come. So this is the reason why we must share the gospel during this time. The church is called upon to make sure that the church not only is able to live out the life that Christ expects us to live, but also grab the opportunity, seize every opportunity to make sure both by word as well as in deed that the church is able to progress, advance the kingdom here on earth. Finally, how can you share the gospel during this pandemic? Okay, you'll have a, maybe in a group discussions. You may also come up with some of the practical aspects of it. You know. But there are so many media-based evangelism platforms today, so much of things that are there on the social media. You may have a social media account. You may not have a social media account. But instead of posting just pictures about yourself, instead of just posting things that you are doing, 
post situations, questions that will help people think, that will provoke their thoughts, that will give them answers to the questions that they are having. Use different you know, opportunities and you know, materials that are available online. There are a lot of media-based materials that are available, short videos that will you know, provoke individuals to think about their faith. Remember, India is one of the largest users you know, of short videos, whether it is through Facebook, YouTube, WhatsApp. Indians are famous for you know, listening to or watching videos. And there are so many new, new you know, apps that are available, which people are using today to just boost themselves up, but make use of that technology so that you can be creative to make sure that the gospel is going forward to areas where you would have thought it is closed, it is not possible. Whether it's a closed country or a closed home or closed mind, the media is still able to get through to them. Share the gospel during this time of the pandemic. Use video apps that are there on Facebook Live or Instagram Stories or the short videos for opportunities to share the gospel, or make your own videos, make a recording of your testimony, share it with others, write some Christian songs and put it online, you know, make sure that you're using all these materials, or even make short videos which will help them in different areas, and then link them up about how they can find Christ in a meaningful way, okay? Ask yourself, what have you done new in evangelism? in sharing your faith, in building somebody else up during this time of the pandemic? Have you taken that as an excuse to say, I can't do anything? Or have you made use of technology that has been available so that behind closed doors, you've still been able to reach out to the world around you? Finally, let me close with five types of church members who will not return after the quarantine, <laughs> who will not return after the quarantine. This is the findings of a person by the name of Tom Rayner, who is a consultant or a person who studies about church and church growth. Okay, So this is what he says. He says, for most churches, not all the church members who were attending before the pandemic will return. And he did a survey and he found that 20% and 30% of the members will not return to church. Okay, now. That may be, you may say, hey, that's bad news, okay? But he then explains why it would be so, okay? Who are these non-returning church members? Why are they not returning? And he gives us five reasons for the most common dropout groups. These groups are not mutually exclusive. There could be significant overlap between one and the other. But I would encourage the church to think about you know, these groups so that the church can be prepared for the time when it opens up finally that we can come together in a church service together and we say, hey, so-and-so is not there, he's not coming. You would know some of the reasons. So before they drop out, let's make use of this time to identify some of these category of members. Number one, the decreasing attendance members the decreasing attendance members. These were your members who at one time attended church almost four times a month or maybe every Sunday. 
Before the pandemic, however, their frequency of attendance started to decline to maybe twice a month or maybe even just once a month, you know. And this pandemic only accelerated their trends. They are now attending zero times a month. Now you may say, you know, what do you mean by zero times a month? Even though there's church online today, a lot of people don't sit down for the service there, isn't it? They will say, here, I don't have to go to church, so why sit and bother over here? Or they may say, I would not watch it now. Maybe sometime later I will do it. And that later never comes. So it is zero attendance. Secondly, the disconnected church members. The disconnected church members. If a church member is in a small group, his or her likelihood of returning is high. Okay, if they are part of a small group fellowship, okay, then the chances of returning is high. If they attend only a worship time, in other words, if they attend only a combined service together, their likelihood of attendance is much lower. So this should be a strong motivation to emphasize small groups once everybody feels safe to return. The third category of people is the church is another activity church member. The church is another activity church members. These church members see gathered attendance as yet another activity, either on par with or lower than other activities. In other words, they won't come to church if it was raining, or they won't come to church you know, you know, because they had to take the child to a, a school program or a match somewhere else. Commitment to the church was a low priority even before the pandemic, okay? So they will have no commitment in the post-quarantine era as well. If a person views the church as just another activity to attend, you know, then he will definitely not be willing to come back to church. Number four is the constant critic church member the constant critic church member. These church members always had some complaints for their leader. They are likely still complaining, even though they have not returned to the in-person services and probably most will never return at all. Now they will say, oh, I saw this church, I saw this pastor, I saw that particular service online. And that was like this, but you guys are like this, a constant critic, you know. And neither would they be attending some service when you start again. They would not be there. Why? They are constantly only criticizing, never really being willing to give to the church because that's what the church is all about. You have a part, a role to play. And finally, number five, the cultural Christian church member, the cultural Christian church member. They were part of a declining group well before the pandemic. There were those church members who likely were not Christians but came to church to be accepted culturally. Today, there are few cultural expectations for people to attend church. Okay, Now, okay, on a Sunday morning, you have to attend church, so you go to church. But these cultural Christians learned during the pandemic that it was no big deal to miss a church, okay? It was no big deal then to not return as well, okay? But remember, God has a plan for your church. So as a result, we must be willing to embrace the reality of the new 
that God has planned in store. Head into God's future with confidence because God has got your church and he has got you. Remember Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So no matter whether it is the pandemic that has shut physical churches down, the gates of hell has not prevailed against it. The church has still grown. If you have been like the early church, being willing to make the best use of these situations and grow as a result of it, there's going to be exponential growth. But if on the other hand, you took this as just a routine, took this as just a, uh, uh, something that has to be done, so you came, you will find that soon after the pandemic is over, and even if you are able to come to a, a physical church, you may still have your own excuses. Remember, God is at work, and the church, even in the early church, you know, during the time of all the persecution that were there, they were still open to see what God was doing. Even during these days, God is at work in the church, in the body, in your life and mine. Let's see what God is doing and let's follow after that. Let's yield ourselves to him so that we will see that this time was not a waste. This was, in fact, the best time. Some people look back on 2020 and say, nah, I hope it never happened. But the church should not say that. The church should rather say, I'm glad it happened because of this so many individuals came to know the Lord. So many individuals were renewed in their commitment to God. So many individuals were, became vibrant in their faith. This is what the church has been called to do even during this period. And my prayer is that we will pick up some of these practical points if in case we have not been following or not applying some of these thoughts into our lives, even during these last couple of months, it is you know, still not too late to make sure that we can make use of each day that God has given to us so that our lives and the life of the church would become stronger and stronger. May the Lord bless you.